Long History Francis Drake's Voyage About the World Part 19 Expecting nothing but imminent death near Sulawesi Hello everyone and welcome to episode 19 of Long History's The Voyage About the World a description of Francis Drake's famous voyage which took place from the 15th of November 1577 to the 26th of September 1580. Here at Long History we break up historic source documents into chunks of 10 minutes or so so you can listen to real history whilst on your lunch break or taking a run. The documents we use amount to eyewitness descriptions of the events that took place. Now we've reached the 19th episode of this document, so there's only one more to go after this, but if you want to start at the beginning, look out for episode 1, and subscribe to be notified of the next episode, which is also the last one in this series, and to hear future series to come. The text we use in this document was written by men who took part in the voyage, with the front page of the 1854 edition used here, saying that it was carefully collected out of the notes of Master Francis Fletcher, preacher in this employment and diverse others, his followers in the same. Drake and his crew are over two years into their journey as this episode begins. They've rounded South America, headed up the western coast, before crossing the Pacific, eventually reaching Ternate Island in Indonesia. They're now in the area of another Indonesian island, Sulawesi, and recently everything has gone smoothly. As this episode begins, however, there is a dramatic development which threatens the whole future of the expedition. The episode begins with that sudden drama. When lo, on a sudden, when we least suspected, no show or suspicion of danger appearing to us, and we were now sailing onwards with full sails, in the beginning of the first watch of the said day at night, even in a moment, our ship was laid up fast upon a desperate shoal, with no other likelihood in appearance, but that we with her must there presently perish, there being no probability how anything could be saved, or any person escape alive. The unexpectedness of so extreme a danger presently roused us up to look about us, but the more we looked, the less hope we had of getting clear of it again, so that, nothing now presenting itself to our minds but the ghastly appearance of instant death, affording no respite or time of pausing, called upon us to deny ourselves, and to commend ourselves into the merciful hands of our most gracious God. To this purpose we presently fell prostrate, and with joined prayers sent up unto the throne of grace, humbly besought Almighty God to extend his mercy unto us, in his Son, Christ Jesus, and so, preparing as it were our necks unto the block, we every minute expected the final stroke to be given unto us. Notwithstanding that we expected nothing but imminent death, yet, that we might not seem to tempt God by leaving any second means unattempted which he afforded, presently, as soon as prayers were ended, our general, exhorting us to have the especialist care of the better part, to wit, the soul, and adding many comfortable speeches of the joys of that other life which we now alone looked for, encouraged us all to bestir ourselves, showing us the way thereto, by his own example. And first of all the pump being well plied, and the ship freed of water, we found our leaks to be nothing increased, which though it gave us no hope of deliverance, yet it gave us some hope of respite, insomuch as it assured us that the bulk was sound, which truly we acknowledged to be an immediate providence of God alone insomuch as no strength of wood or iron could have possibly borne so hard and violent a shock as our ship did, dashing herself under full sail against the rocks, except the extraordinary hand of God had supported the same. Our next assay was for good ground and anchor hold to seaward of us, whereon to hail, by which means, if by any, our general put us in comfort that there was yet left some hope to clear ourselves. In his own person he therefore undertook the charge of sounding, and, but even a boat's length from the ship, he found that the bottom could not by any length of line be reached unto, so that the beginnings of hope, 
which we were willing to have conceived before, were by this means quite dashed again, yea, our misery seemed to be increased. For whereas at first we could look for nothing but a present end, that expectation was now turned into the awaiting of a lingering death, of the two the far more fearful to be chosen. One thing fell out happily for us, that the most of our men did not conceive this thing, which had they done, they would in all likelihood have been so much discouraged that their sorrow would the more disable them to have sought the remedy. Our general, with those few others that would judge of the event wisely, dissembling the same and giving, in the meantime, cheerful speeches and good encouragement unto the rest. For whilst it seemed to be a clear case that our ship was so fast moored that she could not stir, it necessarily followed that either we were there to remain on the place with her, or else, leaving her, to commit ourselves in a most poor and helpless state, to seek some other place of stay and refuge, the better of which two choices did carry with it the appearance of worse than one thousand deaths. As touching our ship, this was the comfort that she could give us, that she herself lying there confined already upon the hard and pinching rocks, did tell us plain that she continually expected her speedy dispatch, as soon as the sea and wind should come, to be the severe executioners of that heavy judgment, by the appointment of the eternal judge already given upon her, who had committed her there to adamantine bonds in the most narrow prison against their coming for that purpose, so that, if we would stay with her, we must peril with her, or if any, by any yet unperceivable means should chance to be delivered, his escape must needs be a perpetual misery, it being far better to have perished together than with the loss and absence of his friends to live in a strange land. Whether a solitary life, the better choice among wild beasts, as a bird on the mountains without all comfort, or among the barbarous people of the heathen in intolerable bondage both of body and mind. And put the case that her day of destruction should be deferred longer than either reason could persuade us, or in any likelihood could seem possible, it being not in the power of earthly things to endure what she had suffered already, yet could our abode there profit us nothing, but increase our wretchedness and enlarge our sorrows, for as her store and victuals were not much, sufficient to sustain us only some few days, without hope of having any increase, no not so much as a cup of cold water, so must it inevitably come to pass, that we, as children in the mother's womb, should be driven even to eat the flesh from off our own arms, she being no longer able to sustain us. And how horrible a thing this would have proved is easy by anyone to be perceived. And whither, had we departed from her, should we have received any comfort? Nay, the very impossibility of going appeared to be no less than those other before mentioned. Our boat was by no means able at once to carry above twenty persons with any safety, and we were fifty-eight in all. The nearest land was six leagues from us, and the wind from the shore directly bent against us. Or, should we have thought of setting some ashore, and after that to have fetched the rest, there being no place thereabouts without inhabitants, the first that had landed must first have fallen into the hand of the enemy, and so the rest in order. And though perhaps we might escape the sword, yet would our life have been worse than death, not alone in respect of our woeful captivity and bodily miseries, but most of all in respect of our Christian liberty, being to be deprived of all public means of serving the true God, and continually grieved with the horrible impieties and devilish idolatries of the heathen. Our misery being thus manifest, the very consideration whereof must needs have shaken flesh and blood, if faith in God's promises had not mightily sustained us, we passed the night with earnest longings that the day would once appear. The meantime we spent in often prayers and other godly exercises, thereby comforting ourselves and refreshing our hearts, striving to bring ourselves to an humble submission under the hand of God, and to a referring of ourselves wholly to his goodwill and pleasure. 
The day therefore at length appearing, and it being almost full sea about that time, after we had given thanks to God for his forbearing of us hitherto, and had with tears called upon him to bless our labours, we again renewed our travel to see if we could now possibly find any anchor hold, which we had formerly sought in vain. Ah, but this second attempt proved as fruitless as the former, and left us nothing to trust to but prayers and tears, seeing it appeared impossible that ever the forecast, counsel, police or power of man could ever effect the delivery of our ship, except the Lord only miraculously should do the same. It was therefore presently motioned, and by general voice determined, to commend our case to God alone, leaving ourselves wholly in his hands to spill or save us, as seemed best to his gracious wisdom, and that our faith might be better strengthened, and the comfortable apprehension of God's mercy in Christ be more clearly felt, we had a sermon, and the sacrament of the body and blood of our Saviour celebrated. After this sweet repast was thus received, and other holy exercises adjoined were ended, lest we should seem guilty in any respect for not using all lawful means we could invent, we felt to one other practice yet unassayed, to wit, to unloading of our ship by casting some of her goods into the sea, which thing, as it was attempted most willingly, so it was dispatched in very short time, so that, even those things which we before this time, nor any other in our case, could be without, did now seem as things only worthy to be despised, yea, we were herein so forward that neither our munition for defence, nor the very meal for sustentation of our lives could find favour with us, but everything as it first came to hand went overboard, assuring ourselves of this, that if it pleased God once to deliver us out of that most desperate strait wherein we were, he would fight for us against our enemies, neither would he suffer us to perish for want of bread. But when all was done, it was not any of our endeavours, but God's only hand that wrought our delivery. T'was he alone that brought us even under the very stroke of death. T'was he alone that said unto us, Return again, ye sons of men. T'was he alone that set us at liberty again, that made us safe and free, after that we had remained in the former miserable condition the full space of twenty-four hours. To his glorious name be the everlasting praise. The manner of our delivery, for the relation of it will especially be expected, was only this, the place whereon we sat so fast was a firm rock in a cleft, whereof it was we stuck on the labroid side. At low water, there was not above six foot depth in all on the starboard, within little distance, as you have heard, no bottom to be found. The breeze, during the whole time that we thus were stayed, blew somewhat stiff directly against our broadside, and so, perforce, kept the ship upright. It pleased God in the beginning of the tide, while the water was yet almost at lowest, to slack the stiffness of the wind, and now our ship, who required thirteen foot of water to make her fleet, and had not at that time on the one side above seven at most, wanting her prop on the other side, which had too long already kept her up, fell a-heeling towards the deep water, and by that means freed her keel and made us glad men. This shoal is at least three or four leagues in length. It lies in two degrees, lacking three or four minutes, south latitude. The day of this deliverance was the 10th of January. Of all the dangers that in our whole voyage we met with, this was the greatest, but it was not the last, as may appear by what ensueth. Neither could we indeed for a long season free ourselves from the continual care and fear of them, nor could we ever come to any convenient anchoring, but were, continually for the most part, tossed amongst the many islands and shoals, which lie in infinite number round about on the south part of Celebes, till the eighth day of the following month. January the 12th, being not able to bear our sails, by reason of the tempest and fearing of the dangers, we let fall our anchors upon a shoal in three degrees thirty minutes. 
January the 14th, we were gotten a little farther south, where, at an island in 4 degrees 6 minutes, we again cast anchor and spent a day in watering and wooding. After this we met with foul weather, westerly winds and dangerous shoals for many days together, insomuch that we were utterly weary of this coast of Celebes, and thought best to bear with Timor. The southernmost cape of Celebes stands in 5 degrees that side of the line. But, of this coast of Celebes, we could not so easily clear ourselves. The 20th of January we were forced to roam with a small island not far from thence, where, having sent our boat a good distance from us to search out a place where we might anchor, we were suddenly environed with no small extremities, for there arose a most violent, yea, and intolerable flow and storm out of the southwest against us, making us, who were on a lee shore amongst most dangerous and hidden shoals, to fear extremely, not only the loss of our boat and men, but the present loss of ourselves, our ship and goods, or the casting of those men whom God should spare into the hands of infidels, which misery could not by any power or industry of ours have been avoided, if the merciful goodness of God had not, by staying the outrageous extremities wherewith we were set upon, wrought our present delivery, by whose unspeakable mercy our men and boats also were unexpectedly, yet safely, restored unto us. We gate off from this place as well as we could, and continued on our course till the 26th day, when the wind took us very strong against us, west and south-west, so as that we could bear no more sail till the end of that month was full expired. Having survived grounding and storms in the area of Sulawesi, Drake and his crew move on. This is the penultimate episode of Drake's voyage, yet the crew have only just left Celebes, today's Sulawesi. The next episode, therefore, the final part of Drake's voyage about the world, takes in half of the world as the crew return to England. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. There's plenty more to enjoy on Long History, including eyewitness accounts of Magellan's voyage around the world and Columbus's first voyage across the Atlantic. Thanks again and goodbye.